Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Marini's Media. Hello everyone and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay. It's December at last. What a year, eh? Well, joining me as ever, it's our Christmas elf herself from the Premier League, BBC and Prime Video, Lindsay Hooper. Hopefully not on the shelf, elf. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And the fairy atop of our tree, it's Sky Sports News presenter Hayley McQueen. Oh, thank you. I'm still waiting for my official fairy for the top of my tree to arrive you're not supposed to switch the lights on until you get a fairy or a star but she's still that yeah it's apparently really bad luck you're not supposed to switch the lights on and fully appreciate the tree until the star is atop or or an angel or whatever it is that you choose to place upon it well i've already broken that rule then thank goodness there is a vaccine available (laughs) very shortly (laughs) within a matter of a week or so against coronavirus there were some fans back at grounds this week it's just been a succession of smiles hasn't it ladies it has now does anyone know any fans who've been back in a stadium yet not yet and i'm just wondering who these lucky chosen ones are I think it's often, you know, extra special season ticket holders, gold mm. card member type affairs. Um, mm. I'd like there to just be a big mass prize draw because there's always a raffle at Christmas, isn't there? I'd just like there to be lots of lots of big football raffles, give people the chance to go uh, who maybe couldn't ordinarily afford it. Well, who knows how they're decided, Kate, but apparently it is easier at Liverpool. If you live in Liverpool and you're a Liverpool fan, it's easier to be in the ballot and get in the stadium. And this is the reason why. <laughs> right. uh, Liverpool currently have 5,832 season ticket holders with a Liverpool postcode. So um, it's only that amount that they've got to go by. But if, you, if you're if you the blue side of the city, Everton have got 25,647 oh, season ticket holders. So, so much harder to Manchester, get those. wouldn't it, if you were allowed to return to yes. Old Trafford. I see. That's a nice dig. Thank you very much. And um, talking of the football and returning, Linz, you were at Crystal Palace, weren't you, last week? How did our tips on keeping warm help? 
Not very much. I needed even more. Um, I needed more tips. <laughs> it was really, really, really cold. Was it? Yeah, it was one of the one of those nights that shocks you into, oh, we're here in the deepest, darkest winter now. Mm. Um, I didn't have anywhere to plug in a little heater, so I, I didn't have that. Aww. But um, somebody at the club did manage to throw me a towel so I could sit on the, <laughs> on the towel. So that my bottom wasn't directly on the cold <laughs> seat because it was horrible. And I remembered your tip about the cardboard, Kate. Yes. So I, I didn't have any cardboard to hand, but I turned my clipboard over and put my feet on the and back of that. put your feet on that instead. <laughs> yeah, instead. Ditching all of your notes uh, for priority over foot warmth instead. That sounds entirely acceptable. There is, of course, a happy mood to this podcast, but also relief as well after Raul Jimenez's head injury. Mm. God, how awful oh, was no. that? Oh, I had my head in my hands. I wasn't at the match and it's the first time I was grateful I wasn't watching Wolves that day. I don't know how the team managed to carry on. I mean, they put in such a great performance and ended up winning the match. But it was all about Raul and concern for him. The doctor's reports, we've steadily had them, haven't we, as the week's gone on and it's looking a lot more positive. Um, Hopefully he'll be out of hospital next week. He did have to undergo some surgery, but we still don't know whether Raul will return to playing football or not. Mm. And it was a career-ending injury when Ryan Mason had his. Um, And I think for Wolves fans in particular, we're just really wanting first and foremost for him to be okay. Of course. But he is a star striker, you know. It's it's really horrible times from both a non-football and a football perspective. I think it shocked everyone. You could, of course, you know, hear it to a certain extent as well, which which was just just horrible. Really scary as well. You're obviously watching your your partner or your best friend or your son or somebody go through this as well. He's 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 got a wife and a and a very young daughter too. And knowing um, what had happened, and then I found out he'd been rushed off to hospital. And since obviously revealed that he had a fracture, you'd just be absolutely beside yourself with worry, wouldn't you? Nobody likes to see to see that. Just thank. God, thank the Lord that he is okay and, and will come through this. But as Lindsay says, who knows whether he's going to return to football or, or, or when he's going to return to football and, and how safe it's going to be for him um, again. But, but fingers crossed um, for yeah a, a swift recovery. There are a couple of nice touches. Um, the Punjabi Wolves supporters, um, they've actually paid for this um, advert in the middle of Warsaw and Dudley, just wishing him well. So that that's up at the moment. People driving by can see it. And then another supporters group have raised money for a huge banner to go into the stadium for the next Wolves home match, wishing him well too. So there's some nice touches around the football fraternity right now. And um, yeah. yeah, I just hope that he's okay. And I also hope David Louise is okay because of course he played on for so long too. He did, yeah. Causing, causing all sorts of debate about whether you should play on or not we won't get into that too much here but needless to say our best to roll uh hope uh hope he makes a swift recovery let's move on with the pod then ladies on this week's show we're asking who are you that's after jolie and les got accidentally signed for a spanish team I'm sure that's an easy mistake to make isn't it uh, we're trying to find some bounce back ability and inspiring a few clubs in the process and we're having the age old debate no literally we are talking age The Black Friday slash pre-Christmas sales are well underway and from today until Friday the 4th of December you can get yourself a subscription to The Athletic for £1 a month for an entire calendar year. 
That means unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a breaking news service, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts for just £1 per month. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. Okay, topic one, the bounce. Bounce back ability. Ten years ago, check this, Arsenal and Barcelona met in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They were competing with the best of the best. Fast forward to today and the English side are 14th in the league and the Spanish side are 7th, both with just the four league wins to their name. Even Italian champions Juventus are looking a little lost down in fourth, although they've not lost a game. Well, coming to the weekend, Arsenal will be looking to arrest their poor form against the league leaders. Spurs and Barcelona will be looking to beat the team directly above them in the league, Cadiz. Well, in short, what we're saying is these once giant titan teams need some Christmas cheer and we're going to be slightly tongue-in-cheek with this, of course, because we know that there are teams that consistently deal with this. But for these epic greats, and and I've got a feeling Arsenal's in this because our Mm. producer, Abby, supports Arsenal, but for these Mm. epic greats, uh, can we give them some some inspiration, other big sides who've bounced back after a bad season? Hayley, you go first. Okay, because you mentioned Arsenal, I'm going to mention their rivals. And Tottenham are, of course, sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League. But if you go all the way back to the 2015-16 season, they had a torrid start, which actually ended quite brilliantly. Okay, the last few games didn't end brilliantly, and people will say that they bottled it, didn't they? That was a term that had been used when they needed to pick a few points from the last four games. And they... They did. They they almost ended the season in those four games how they'd started it, but everything in between worked out quite brilliantly. They went on to challenge for the title, but it was far from an ideal start. They started the season by playing Manchester United, and they were beaten just a slim one nil. Three games that followed that draw to Stoke, draw to Leicester, drew with Everton. Then they took on Sunderland and finally managed to pick up their first win. And it took Harry Kane six games to finally get a goal. There was a lot of talk about Harry Kane that season, a lot of scrutiny and pressure on him. But guess what? He ended up with the golden boot. He scored 25 league goals, 28 in all competitions. And to think it took him six games to finally um, find the back of the net is actually quite quite remarkable. Um, By the end of February, they were actually second in the league, but they were right down in the relegation places and right down towards the bottom for quite some time at the beginning of the season. Mm. They actually only lost six times that year and they did challenge for the title, as I mentioned, right until the final month. Um, They ended the season with 70 points. It was actually their second highest points total in the Premier League. But when you look at their first, I'm just looking at their first 12 games and they only managed to pick up three wins. It took that 4-1 win against Manchester City to really kind of set their season alight. Yes, they drew after that to Monaco, Swansea and dropped points to Liverpool and lost to Anderlecht. But they did manage to get that big uh, rousing win to Manchester City 4-1. And then once they had a little bit of a blip um, at the beginning of October, they, they did go on a winning run and it was all down to their form in January. So teams, some teams fare very well once the turn of the new year comes about because they actually had seven wins on the bounce mm-hmm. and that included FA Cup wins as well. So Tottenham can give Arsenal a little bit of hope. 
Now that's kind of ironic, isn't it? But I'm going to go along the same thread of sometimes after Christmas it can get so much better. So for Arsenal and Barcelona fans, a bit more inspiration for you on that note. We're going to look at Dortmund. It's Klopp's, Jurgen Klopp's last season at Dortmund, 2014-2015. They didn't finish, by the way, with their usual dominance of the league table, but an initially terrible season for the side did get somewhat better. Well, Let's take Klopp first of all, a manager who'd won two titles, got a double, guided Dortmund to the Champions League final. So much expected. Yet, for the first three months, August, September, October, the side went from 8th to 12th to 15th, having only registered two wins in the Bundesliga. In November, the side's Champions League run was going pretty well with a win against Bayern. They did pick up three points. They got that valuable win in the league against Gladbach, but it was only thanks to a free cone goal. They fell to 18th, rock bottom, so bottom of the league. The month ended with their chief executive, Hans Joachim Watzer's now infamous blood, sweat and tears speech, where essentially he just demanded a lot more. They were 17th going into the winter break. The mood was grim. It was really, really grim. Klopp insisted, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to step down. Post-Christmas, it did them some good. February and March, they went up to 10th. In April, Klopp announced that he would leave and the players stepped it up a gear again. Uh, They moved up to 8th and then in May, they finished the season as finalists of the German Cup and clinched seven spots and clinched seventh spot, meaning that they grabbed the last Europa League place in their very last game. All was not lost. That is definitely a comeback to impress. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about Juventus, but this is a unique one, but I think it will help. Barcelona in some way when I when I explain a bit more. So their form didn't plummet as such, but they did get relegated and it was for their involvement in the Calciopoli scandal in 2006. And whilst in Serie B, a whole host of some of their biggest stars left for other top European clubs that included Cannavaro, Ibrahimovic, Patrick Vieira, Emerson, Mutu. So they had to more or less rebuild and try and bounce back. But once they did, there was no stopping them. Nine league titles in a row Juventus won back to back. And I suppose in the case of Barcelona, who've got very different issues at the moment, it does show that they could reign supreme once again in La Liga. So there you are. Nicely done, ladies. Some festive cheer for Arsenal and Barcelona there. Positive vibes are all that you need. Up next, it's the age-old debate. So old versus young, young versus old, old versus new. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Is it better to be older or younger in the football game? Well, this week, Neil Warnock turned 72. He's the oldest manager in England after Roy Hodgson, who, by the way, is the oldest manager in Premier League history at the age of 73. And judging by the way that Warnock's Middlesbrough are going, he's still got it, very much so. Mm. Uh, But sooner or later, the young take over and start to prove themselves slowly but surely. Surely, yes, we're looking at you, Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney, Mikel Arteta. You sort of want to include Solskjaer in that, but actually Solskjaer's 47, believe it or not. Uh, Quick straw poll, who's the youngest, Lampard, Rooney or Arteta? Uh, Rooney, probably, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Rooney at 35, Arteta's 38, Lampard's 42. So while Warnock continues to prove that old is gold in England, uh, let's head overseas to look at some of the other top leagues and decide once and for all... Not really, but you know where I'm going with this. Who's better, the golden oldies or the spring chickens? Hayley. 
I just can't believe that some of these managers are still managing at the top level in their 70s. You'd, you'd hope to have retired and be going on a few cruises and spending time with the grandkids. <laughs> no cruises this like, year. No. I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson was 71 when he retired. He could have happily carried on. But uh, I think it was his, his, his lovely wife who didn't get to see very much of him for probably about 55 of those years of his life um, <laughs> and his grandkids as well. But goodness me, um, what about Oscar Tabaras El Maestro, they call him, of the Uruguay national team? He didn't have an amazing career as a player. He wasn't really an anybody. He was actually a primary school teacher and went on a very extensive coaching course, which lasted more than 30 years. He coached teams <laughs> in Colombia, Argentina, Italy and Spain. He then managed the Uruguay national team from 1988 to 1990. He then went back for a second time. We, we had this as a topic the other week, didn't we? Returning coaches and managers mm. or players. He went back in 2006. And yeah, there was a, a few people kind of scratching their heads about why they would go back to him um, so many years after he left. But he actually led the team to fourth place in the World Cup in 2010 and victory as well in the 2011 Copa America. Um, they qualified for three World Cups with him in charge. They got to the round of 16 two times, the semi-finals as well. And three seasons ago, they qualified for a fourth time and reached fifth position in the 2018 World Cup. Um, he became a recipient of the FIFA Order of Merit, the highest um, honour awarded by FIFA. And yeah, just what a career that he's had. I just think that is quite How remarkable. How old is he, To look at him, you wouldn't think he was 73 years mm. old. So there you go. A bit like Warnock, right up there. He, he's 74 next March. He was a, a defender initially and looks like, when you look at him, a very old-fashioned, disciplinarian, very suave. Um, he just looks like a, a really cool guy who's just... I don't know what it's going to take for him to, to give up. I think he's probably going to be one of these coaches. I don't mean this to sound awful, but I think he'll be kind of wheeled out of a football stadium. <laughs> what for? What, what as in, it really is time to leave now. Mm. <laughs> now, the one thing I actually want to mention about this uh, particular manager is quite remarkable, the fact that he is still managing at 73 and actually suffers uh, with um, a syndrome called uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, some of you might remember him as the manager that was seen with crutches during the World Cup in, in 2018. Um, it's a disease which attacks the immune system. He could easily have just given up. It's a muscle weakness um, syndrome and um, it comes on and off. You never get rid of it. It can't be treated. You just have to live with it. But quite remarkable that this is something that he suffers from, yet he still continues mm. to carry on. So massive, massive respect to a manager who doesn't let anything get him down. And let that be a lesson to all of us. Mm. I have a cold and I want to stay in bed all day and don't <laughs> go to work. I just have to remember this guy, El Maestro. <laughs> what a guy. Um, Lindsay, give us an example of old versus young. Old versus young. I'm, I'm going to go to France. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself when we know that my French pronunciations. <laughs> I don't know awful. why you're doing this to yourself. But anyway, Liga is where I'm going. Well done. Um, well, there That's we are. It. You've nailed um, it. 
And the reason being, there is a there's a standout young manager in Liga, and it's the Ren manager who joined the club in 2018, Julian Stepan. Um, and Ren qualified for their first European knockout round in the Europa League in his first season. And then last year in 2019, he led them to a first trophy in 48 years in the Coupe de France, beating PSG 6-5 in a penalty shootout. And when the season curtailed because of COVID for the 2019-20 season, Ren was sat in third position, which meant they qualified for the very first time for the Champions League. So so he's really doing great things and has got the attention of quite a few European clubs, I would imagine. And to the opposite extreme, to the oldest managers in Liga, um, I'm going to go for a gentleman who's not quite the oldest. There's, there is one manager, Jean-Louis Gosset at Bordeaux, who's one year older than he is. But the reason that Christian Gorkov came to my attention was because when Maradona died last week... Um, he actually was quite outspoken, but not in a great way about mm. the player. He said he deemed his blind glorification as inappropriate. Oh. And so when his name came up, I thought, you know, what, I'm going to look a bit more about this gent. Um, he's the manager of Nantes um, and he joined them only last season. And he came to the club after they'd been suffering for, for quite some time. Now, you may remember as well, they were the club that had sold Emiliano Salah to Cardiff City so they they'd actually been mourning the death of a striker the previous manager had also resigned days before a season began um, so they were really looking to try and turn around and they started superbly under this 65 year old they won six of their opening nine games at one point they were second in the table after 10 matches and they ended up 13th last season and this season they are currently just below mid-table it's not going quite as well as it did last season but this is a manager who like you said earlier Hayley when we had our topic I think it was last week about returning managers he managed at Lorient for 25 years across three different spells clearly very experienced I don't know how long he'll be at nonce but um, I think on this occasion Young's probably outdoing old Annabeth, congratulate you for your handle of the French language, Lindsay. It's just it's is it getting, some getting better? Around. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've been having très lessons bon. on the side, but yeah, très bon. Well, I've gone to the Bundesliga for my old versus young. The young is Julian Nagelsmann, manager of RB Leipzig. He's only 33. His side finished third in the table last season. He took his team to the Champions League semi-finals as well, where they lost to PSG. Uh, they're currently sitting second in the Bundesliga. One of his players, reserve goalkeeper Philipp Schauner, is older than him at 34. Can you imagine that? Now, Nagelsmann arrived at Leipzig at the beginning of the 2019 season. He'd actually achieved loads of success over three seasons at Hoffenheim 2, uh, the normally mid-table team. He'd got them through and qualified into the Champions League. And he won third place in the UEFA Men's Coach of the Year competition for last season. So third best in Europe, not bad for his first season at Leipzig. Um, he owns two skateboards, loves drones and basically is young enough to understand everything that his players are saying. Um, <laughs> now in the Bundesliga the average age of managers is 49 years old and Nagelsmann's paved the way for other young blood too. I won't focus on that. Great example of how the young is good. The oldest is not bad 
bad either. Actually, it has to be said, Lucien Favre, he's 63, manager of Dortmund. And of course, they are there or thereabouts, finishing second last season, very much still in the mix at the moment, fourth in the Bundesliga as we report this. The next oldest, though, is Uwe Neuhaus, manager of the newly promoted Armenia Bielefeld. They're currently in 17th, so not doing so well is that golden oldie. By the way, Armenia Bielefeld, there is a popular conspiracy that the town of Bielefeld doesn't actually exist, but is an illusion propagated by various forces, according to Wikipedia anyway. And the theory is based around this. Do you know of Bielefeld? Have either of you heard of Bielefeld before? No, it's not really. Well, then I can presume that the answer to the next question is, have you ever been to Bielefeld? No, definitely not. Do you know anyone who's ever been to Bielefeld? Anyone else? Well, it doesn't exist, Kate, so no, they haven't. Well, yeah, exactly. So the answer's no to all three questions, basically meaning that perhaps there's something behind this theory. If you had said yes, by the way, the general consensus is if you said yes to any of those questions, you'd be in on the conspiracy uh, or you've been (laughs) deceived yourself. So uh, there you go. Uh, Bielefeld doesn't actually exist, or does it? Okay, what about one of the longest serving managers in British football history? He was awarded at the Scottish Football Association Awards in September 2019 for managing for 66 <laughs> years. Larry Barilli is 84 when he picked oh, up the award. I read about this guy. Still managing. Um, he actually won the Best Volunteer in Adult Football Awards. I mean, quite remarkable. It was a big ceremony. Um, he's managed seven different teams in the Greenock area since 1953. He's a great granddad. He said he was really, really chuffed to be recognised. He's absolutely not going to give up he still wants to continue um coaching um he said you know i spoke about the old bill shankly saying football's not a matter of life and death it's much more important than that he said when i was 38 years old he said my late wife said to me larry you'll need to choose between me and football and i said that's a pity because i liked you <laughs> and that was so he also got a very good sense of humor as well he's believed to have managed uh, around about 2,000 games in, in the amateur league. So I just wanted Aww. to give him a big up. Has he got he also, a nickname, do you think? Just the legend, probably, Gramps. isn't it, really? Gramps, yeah. He, he actually worked as a taxi driver as well two days a week, all whilst doing this. Um, yeah, so just... That's what it's all about, Big up, isn't it? Larry. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. All right, well, the debate rumbles on. I think we can safely say that. Old versus young. Up next, it's a case of mistaken identity. Yes, that music means one thing and one thing only. The Offside Rule WSL edition is back. Woohoo! And the WSL is bigger and better than ever before. Which means we need to do the same. And that's why we've got interviews with the biggest names. The brightest minds in the game. As well as all the in-depth match analysis you've come to know and love. Just search for the Offside Rule WSL edition, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find us ad-free on the Athletic app. That's the Offside Rule WSL edition, out every Tuesday. No, seriously, who are you? Well, this happened to Jolian Lescott recently after he accidentally signed for a Spanish football team, only in Jolian's world, uh, specifically fourth tier Racing Murcia or Murcia. Uh, here's what he told the BBC. 
There's been an offer for me, he said, to go and take part in a game in Spain, which I'm exploring. Uh, He then added, by next week, I should know whether it's genuine. I didn't know I'd signed. I'd had a conversation. It appears I'm coming out of retirement, but I'd be participating in one game and that would be it. That's his marker in the sand. So has he signed for Murcia or is he just going to participate in one game? Uh, The mystery continues. So in this spirit, can you tell me of other times of mistaken identity, either in football or generally, where you've just got yourself in a thoroughly confused state. Let's go to you, Lindsay. (laughs) I've gone with the thoroughly confused state for me for all of my examples. Um, I'm going to start with an embarrassing one that happened. uh, My first visit to Newcastle United, Mm. uh, it was when the Longstaff brothers first started to break into the team at Newcastle. So only a few years ago, I hadn't been to St. James's Park. It was one of the ones I wanted to tick off. Um, And the Longstaff brothers were slowly coming through. They weren't regulars in the first team at that point, but they were being talked about. And at the end of the match, I have to, for the international media, interview a player for the World Feed. And I was told originally that Matty Longstaff was coming. But the player actually changed about three times before the player actually turned up. And just seconds before doing my interview, someone brought him and said, actually, we've had to go, we've had to go with Longstaff, blah, blah, blah. So I said, oh, Matty, great to meet you. And he said, it's Sean. (laughs) Well, at least you got that done before you went live, I suppose, which would have been maybe hilarious, but not so It was a hand hand in head moment. (laughs) Hayley. The one that I had that was actually um, involving me was when we used to, at Manchester United, have to try and interview and translate Fabio or Rafael de Silva. And they (laughs) were known to swap places and pretend to be each other. And apparently (gasps) I was once... Um, yeah, on the receiving end of that, the translator as well was in on it and they didn't tell me um, and, and found it very, very, very funny. Um, so there you go. That's just that's just one, which is all the kind of fun and excitement that you can get up to as twins. Now, Hayley, you might remember this one as mm-hmm. well. Um, this case of mistaken identity didn't happen on the pitch. It was rather in the stands and it uh, it involved a Sky Sports reporter. Martin Warhurst from Wakefield was a Manchester City fan. He was attending his side's away game with Huddersfield Town when a certain Sky Sports reporter could be seen approaching him in the stands. Uh, Huddersfield were about to appoint Jan Suet as their new manager and the reporter had got really confused and thought that Mr Warhurst from Wakefield uh, was the Terrier's new boss. And there was footage of it. You can see the reporter, Patrick Davison, who I think is still at Sky yes, Sports, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, sort of yeah. inching, you know, you know, excuse me, excuse me, along the little row of seats. And... Uh, basically saying, you know, offering his hand and saying hello. And then you can see the conversation is Patrick Davison being told that, no, it actually wasn't who he thought it was. And it was just uh, your average everyday fan instead. But it was hilarious. (laughs) And it all played out Mm. over live TV as well. I remember watching that clip. I do Um, as well. Really funny. He wasn't to be blamed, I suppose. Um, Do you know that Five Live phoned up the wrong Michael Gray? as well. Michael Gray, you know, a true Mackham, former Sunderland player. So when Martin O'Neill was sacked as Sunderland manager in 2013, they did a phone in on Five Live and they thought, yep, let's get Michael Gray on. Except for they got the wrong Michael on. The best bit is that the wrong Michael Gray was actually a Glasgow University student and he played a blinder, absolutely did. He sounded (laughs) totally convincing, adding in as many football cliches as he could. The only thing that gave him away was his Glaswegian 
accent. Uh, the BBC had made the mistake <laughs> after the non-footballing Michael Gray was added to their contact book. He'd organised a referendum on Scottish independence at his uni. They'd obviously looked at Michael Gray quick, quick, quick and got the wrong guy on. But I love the fact that the non-footballing Michael Gray just gave a totally convincing attempt as the Sunderland player, Michael Gray, instead. I thought it was great. Let's speak to Michael Gray. Michael made more than 300 appearances for Sunderland between 92 and 2004. Michael, good evening to you. How do you feel about O'Neill gone then? It's a shock. I'm sure it's a shock for fans of the club. He's been there quite a while now. Um, But given recent events and being dragged into the relegation dogfight, maybe it's time for a fresh start. Loving that one. Which one will I go with next? Okay, I often report on matches and... Sometimes when you're high up in the stands, this is particularly when I've been doing final score reports, and when you don't have a monitor, because a lot of people presume nowadays that every reporter gets a monitor for replays and things. That doesn't happen. Certainly lower down the leagues, it doesn't. So sometimes you're in a spot of the stadium, squinting, trying to work out what's happening, sometimes trying to look around different posts and pillars that are in your way, getting binoculars out on some occasions. And I remember watching when Joey Barton was playing for QPR and there was a goal mouth scramble and they came to me for the goal as it was pretty much going in and it was one of those where it was like pinball and it hit off about four different players and I thought yeah Joey Barton got the last touch I'll I'll credit him with the goal but he didn't get the final touch and then you spend the next couple of reports saying oh yeah by the way the goal was actually scored by (laughs) so um, that's happened and I'm sure it's happened more than once in 10 years. Now when players go back to their former clubs um, you can sometimes forget that they're actually playing for the opposition and that Wes Brown and John O'Shea aren't playing for Manchester United at Old Trafford. It's actually Sunderland that they're playing for. And I don't know if you remember, Roger East had an absolute mare mistaking one for the other. That's right. Uh, He mistook Wes Brown for John O'Shea. Um, He sent off Wes Brown sent him off, that's right, after John O'Shea actually brought down Radamel Falcao in the box. <laughs> yep, Brown's red card, believe it or not, this was great. It was rescinded immediately. Um, and the great thing for John O'Shea and Sandlin was he actually wasn't given the suspension because he put the incident in his match report and obviously had it down as the wrong player. So they played in the next game, which was against Hull. They managed to eke a point out of that one. And... Uh, Nothing really came of that. So Roger East mm. had an absolute mare. But how do you get John O'Shea and uh, Wes Brown mixed up? It is I mean. a bit odd. Um, any more for any more? When I was a bit younger, <laughs> my, younger? I've got, I've got, well, is I just like a young versus old thing again. No, I, I don't think it was young enough for me to make this mistake. I think I was about 15. Um, but Myself and my best friend, big Wolves fans, and her dad as well. They were season ticket holders for 21 seasons in a row. I was always so, so envious growing up. But they were lovely and they used to take me to the occasional matches sometimes, If I, especially when I wasn't working for the radio station at Wolves anymore. So they they dragged me along to different bits when whenever they got the chance. And once upon a time, we went to Buck's Head, which is Telford's ground, where Wolves, once upon a time, um, the reserve team used to play there. And there was a player that we hadn't seen in the first team for quite a while. And we're 
pretty much big fans of. Anyway, there was a, there was a player we hadn't seen playing in the first team for some time. So we decided we would go and my friend Grace, her dad said, we'll go to this reserve match. I was so excited. And he also said, bring your autograph book. We'll get some autographs at the end. So I'm standing there, not holding back, booming voice, as you know, and I'm shouting, Robbie Dennison, Robbie Dennison, come over, sign my book, Robbie Dennison. <laughs> and then this poor chap, it was Carl Robinson, and he came over and he went, he's already gone in. <laughs> I love that you're fessing up to all these. You see, you have to be pretty safe and secure in your own ability to admit this stuff, I think, anyway. (laughs) You know, a funny thing about mistaken identity is sort of mistaken audio identity. I've had people come up to me before, Lindsay Hooper, and say, now you were speaking really strongly about such and such a thing, or I love it when you said this, and I think to myself, I never said that at all, it was Lindsay. (laughs) We get confused We do get confused, but we? we don't have similar voices not in my mind anyway no I think I mean maybe we do end up maybe it's one of those things where if you talk together for long enough you end up sounding the same yeah maybe I've definitely had people attribute things that you've said to me on Twitter and things and said you said this and I'm like I'm not I'm not the Liverpool one (laughs) well there you go I I get that you said this you said that I'm like somebody wrote the script and I read it out if there was a mistake (laughs) apologies blame the producer blame the wrong person here All right, well, that's all of our confessions. Uh, Let's round up next with any other business. Okay, so ladies, uh, the possibly under-the-radar stories from the last week, things that our listeners might have missed, uh, we like to call it any other business. What have you got, Lindsay Hooper? I hope nobody missed this. It was brilliant and there has been a lot on social channels about it. Stephanie Frappar becoming the first female Mm. to referee a men's Champions League match. It feels like a breakthrough, doesn't it? It feels like for young girls growing up right now, they are capable of achieving anything, aren't they? Um, And that's exactly the message we want to give out. So she refereed the game between Juve and Dinamo Kiev. It also happened to be the goal where Ronaldo scored his 750th career goal. Um, And and I just thought that it was one of those moments where I hope we get it repeated. I hope it's not going to be just a one-off. I often think this when we talk about Sean Massey in the Premier League that it's just a shame that there isn't anyone else yet so I'm Mm. hoping behind Stephanie is someone else ready to come through too. Yes I'm just you know again continually impressed not just with Stephanie Frappard but your your handle of the French language in this show today Lindsay (laughs) you are outdoing yourself with every connection possible to France. Maybe maybe I'm ready for the move. Yes maybe you are. I know someone with a French house out there. (laughs) Maybe that's Brexit for you. Um, Hayley McQueen what have you got? So you mentioned Ronaldo there, and I'm just going to say he's been shortlisted for the seventh year in a row for the um, UEFA uh, Men's Team of the Year for 2020. Now, Bayern Munich um, dominated it um, after the Champions League win. Cristiano Ronaldo, though, up there, of course, for an Italian um, side with a player up there. But as for um, Great Britain, well, in England, 15 players are on the list, which I think is um, pretty impressive as far as nominees go. And that's mainly thanks to Liverpool with, um, yeah, half of those uh, Liverpool players. Even better. And I've also um, just seen uh, big news as well that finally the Premier League and the EFL have actually agreed a £250 million financial bailout. They have come to an agreement. So £50 is going to go to League One and Two. £30 grant which is based on lost gate receipts, um, of course, with a minimum 
375 grand in League One, 250 grand in League Two, um, with the remaining 20 million pounds. And this is going into a monitored grant on a need basis. So there'll be 20 million just sitting there for those that maybe I'm guessing apply who who need it. Um, and yeah, it's kind of their break glass in case of emergency. Help me out, please. Championship clubs, um, good to see they're getting interest-free loan facility. That's going to be capped at just over £8 million per club. But £250 million um, bailout agreed between Premier League and EFL clubs, which will hopefully make sure that all of them are kept uh, afloat and can run and staff and, and players and everyone can be paid properly and they can get things back up and running to how things were. Um, I mean, goodness knows when that's going to be. But yeah, great news. Mm, really good news. Ah, oh, Well, some good news for Tottenham women. It's just been confirmed that they're going to use the men's training facilities at Hotspur Way, at Hotspur Way on a full-time basis. It's been called a statement mm. of intent from their new manager, Rahan Skinner. So um, good news there for equality in football. How lovely. Uh, and a nice bit of a funny one here for you. Take a listen to this. <laughs> I can I can understand where people's where people's uh, thinking is of course I can I, I also think that scarred a little bit or that's helped a little bit from the last time we was here and there's certainly a narrative and at the same time you can see goals like we was conceding early on in the season I, I, I get it but um, look, listen I, I believe in this team I really do do I do, do I believe there's going to be struggles along the way this yes year? that's sure. right they've done it again that's Scott Parker's post-match interview on Monday sounding pretty chipper after his Fulham side won and it's been edited over the streets don't mug yourself it's brilliant isn't it round of applause for that one well, that's it for the show. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at OffsideRulePod. If you're one of the lucky ones heading to a game, let us know. How did you find out about your golden ticket? Um, let us know how you get on. Um, Lindsay, there's a fantastic new exclusives podcast out as well, isn't there? There is. We did an exclusive with Laura Bassett, former Lioness, former Birmingham Arsenal, uh, Notts County, Leeds, lots of different clubs. Um, but great defender, wasn't she? And it was yeah. a lovely chat for us to have. I, I've now got to try and get us an offside rule mug because I mm. promised one to Laura. Um, so I've, I may have made a rod for my own back there. But yeah, really, really good exclusive. So you can hear that this week. Yes, that's out on the usual channel. Hayley, how does someone leave us a review? Oh, it's dead easy. You just go to where the stars section is and click on the fifth star to tell us how wonderful we are. And if you want to write us, um, yeah, feel free to just put something complimentary in that section. You can also check out our website as well, offsiderulepodcast.com. There's plenty of brilliant content over on there, including the launch. So to be announced very, very soon, keep your ears peeled. Uh, we've teamed up with The Guardian again for the female top 100 players, just like they do the men's. That's being launched afterwards. Um, but we have Rich Laverty, uh, who works with us here on the team, currently collating points, bringing together those lists of the definitive top 100 female players with the only place where you you can get it along with The Guardian. So something to look out for there. Where are you this weekend, Lindsay? I'm at Stevenage on Saturday for the BBC. They're playing South End, and there should be fans. So that's going to be Ooh. a novelty. It'll be great to see some back. And then on Sunday for the Premier League, I'm at West Brom against Palace, and there won't be fans in at that oh. one because it's a Tier Three game. But yeah, okay. doing the doing the miles again. <laughs> and Haley, are you back on Sky Sports News soon? 
I am. And it's going to be very, very busy because we've got Women's Super League games on Sunday. I'm going to be on all afternoon from three. They kick off at two o'clock. We've got Chelsea Women against West Ham, obviously the early kickoff. I'll just be wrapping up that. And then we've got four games in the Premier League, rounding the day off with uh, Liverpool against Wolves. You two going head to head. So I'll just be coming off air when that kicks off. I can get to watch it. A couple of games in the Scottish Premiership as well with Rangers in action to Ross County, who of course managed to nick points off Celtic last time around. They're in trouble and Celtic are playing as well St Johnson so quite a lot of big games to keep across uh, for me I not want to tune in after that I eh? know right um, I'll be keeping toasty by the fire my Christmas oh. lights are up but my angel oh. isn't so I'm wondering what goldful luck I'm going to have now uh, until next time listeners take care bye for now you've been listening to the Offside Rule part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. Muddy Knees Media Sports Social Podcast Network Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.